you it takes a village my name again is tia and i am jacob and today's episode obviously is a little bit different um given the fact that today is wednesday and not thursday or not friday like our normally scheduled podcast um i guess today's just a little bit special in the senses we're kind of going off topic of what our last week's episode left off on. Um, Friday, we still will go over that. Um, but today, I kind of wanted to gear a little um, to the, a little different um, in regards to um, talking about mental health and mental illness. Um, personally, there's just been a lot of things coming up. Um, in my personal life with Jake and I, things like that. Um, and so I just felt like our listeners, um, would really benefit from this just because I know I did as well. Um, so we'll just be going over a bunch of different things and stay, stay with us. Again, like Jake has said in the past, we're still learning. This is a work in progress. So if there is some technical issues, um, if you know it kind of seems unorganized just bear with us we're hopefully fine you know trying to fine-tune things um and so i kind of wanted to start off um going over exactly what is mental illness um a lot of people there's a lot of there's a lot of questions and when you think of mental illnesses a lot of people have question marks when it comes to that um and some even in some cultures or some people's lives and may even be something where it's not even talked about at all um and so today i kind of just wanted to go over that um again if you are listening live um please feel free to call call in comment um if you have any advice any stories any questions definitely feel free to say anything essentially this is a safe zone um so again let's go ahead and get started um so I'm going to go over a bunch of statistics. It's probably going to sound like a high school PowerPoint, but again, bear with me because these statistics um, were surprising and shocking to Jake and I just as much as they'll probably be shocking to you as well. Um, So what is mental illness? Let's go ahead and start with that. Um, According to the American Psychiatric Association, mental illness is classified as a health condition that involves the changes of emotion thinking or behavior and it could be a combination of either two um or could be a combination of all three um so that's kind of where we are um that's just pretty much a very general very vague idea of what a mental illness consists of um also a lot of people don't know that a lot of developmental illnesses so autism um ADHD, ADD, those are also considered mental illnesses, again, according to uh, APA, American Psychiatric Association. Um, so, let's, well, I'm going to give you some stats that are kind of shocking, to say the least. Um, depression, um, whether that's bipolar depression, whether that's postpartum depression, anything that has to do with depression... Um, is the most common mental illness worldwide. Um, as of right now, it affects 5 to 7% of the population worldwide. Now, that may not seem like a lot, um, but in the grand scheme of things, when there's, what, 7 trillion of us in the world, that's a big, that's a big number. Um, and 
most of which are adults over the age of 60. Now, to me, that was very surprising. Uh, when you think of depression, when you think of mental illness in general, you normally think of the younger population. So kids in high school, um, young adults, um, you don't really think of any um, of the older generation. Now, but then when you figure also there's Alzheimer's and dementia, um, those are also... Um, considered mental illnesses as well. Um, and so when you think of that, um, again, that is a mental illness, but surprising that most of the 5 to 7% of the population, when we're looking at that category, it is m mostly people over the age of 60. Um, and it does affect, like I said, 280 million people yearly. And that's just a depression alone. We're not factoring in anxiety. We're not factoring in bipolar disorder. We're not factoring every other mental illness out there. Depression alone affects 280 million people yearly. And that that's insane. To me, that's completely insane. Um, and so now um, moving on to the next highest is um, bipolar disorder. Um, and so bipolar disorder, again, is another one of those things where people really don't seem to understand what exactly it is. Um, people think, oh, bipolar disorder is just when you're happy and one, and one second when you're sad, when one second. It's not necessarily that. It's when you have lows, it's extremely low every time. When you have really high, like really good moments, it's extremely high every time. There's no, there's no in between. There's no middle ground. Um... And so you may see people with the bipolar disorder, they may be, it may be something super that may just kind of bump someone out, but with someone with bipolar disorder, they are completely depressed for a long time. Um, and then when some, when they're happy, they are almost overly happy to the point where it could almost be considered manic. Um, and anything in, in between that. So you may even have people who, um they go out shopping and they're in a manic episode and they just spend thousands and thousands of dollars because they are in that extreme, extreme high almost. Almost in a sense of euphoria. Um, and so that's kind of what bipolar depression in a nutshell is, or bipolar, sorry, disorder is what it is in a nutshell. Um, that affects 45 million people worldwide. Um, so we're, we're getting to really big staggering numbers here about what exactly um, mental, how exactly mental illness affects our nation. Um, and then schizophrenia affects 20 million people worldwide. And again, there's more, um, there's more questions, kind of confusion when it comes to that. Again, when you hear schizophrenia, a lot of people think, oh, you're just hearing people in your head. You hear voices, you, you know, things like that. But it's not exactly that. Um, it's more of a distortion of thinking, of per perception, how you see things, um, and emotions and language. So it, for someone who has schizophrenia, it's really, really confusing to determine what's reality and what's not. Um, because their brain has a, a fault in their makeup where it kind of um, lets them see things or hear things that may not be there. Um, and so there's, um, so there's 20 million people worldwide who have that every day. Um, 
And that's just some of these mental illnesses. Obviously, when you factor in anxiety, PTSD, um, we're getting higher and higher and higher numbers. Um, and that's crazy. And 50% of those people, 50% of those millions of people who are affected by mental illness, only 50% are getting the adequate care and treatment that they need. Um, and again, that's that's sad to think that there's another 50% that will never get treated for the mental illnesses that they have. So just think of someone who has schizophrenia, who's, you know, having these confusions of what's real and what's not, and not getting diagnosed, not getting the proper treatment, whether that be medication, therapy, um, things like that, that person is not getting treated. You can almost visualize how overwhelming and how just a sense of helplessness those people that are not getting treating have. Um, and again, like I said, these are just some of the mental illnesses. We're not factoring in developmental illnesses such as autism, um, ADHD, ADD, things like that. Um, and now we're getting into the population of um, young adults. So like I said, out of the you know, out of this population, we have 7 trillion. Um, we are seeing a rise in uh, mental illnesses in young adults. So that's anyone between 18 and 25 years of age. Um, and it, it almost from 2019 to this year, 2021, it's almost doubled from what it was. Um, again, and you also have to factor in COVID. A lot of people are at home. Mental illness was just at an all-time high at then. Um, and then also, too, um, is on the rise is mental illness in the youth. So that's anyone from 6 years of age to 17 years of age. Um, and again, you're having kids who are in high school, who are going through a transitional time with um, puberty, with um, finding who they are, um, maybe even if that's sexuality, things like that. Um, and so in kind of coincides with the mental illness, um, again, a rise on that as well. Um, and so we also have to think about too is society's view on mental illness. Um, I grew up in a different generation than Jacob did. I grew up in the late 2000s, whereas Jake grew up in the early 2000s. So for me growing up, you know, not until I was getting out of grade school did mental illness start to really become more accepting. Um, growing up, it was more so, um, I wouldn't say taboo, but it was more so just something that not everyone knew about. Um, it was more so of how do we determine when a teenager is just acting out versus if there's something really wrong. Um, and I'm sure Jake can attest to his generation, um, again, because I grew up in the late 2000s, so I don't know how it was back then for you, but. Yeah, so for me, I, I, I really didn't pay attention to it a whole lot prior to uh, joining the military. Um, I really started only paying attention to it uh, during the military and more so even after the military. Um, I, I, prior to the military, I just thought, you know, 
oh, somebody's just having a bad day. They woke up on the wrong side of the bed, and an hour later, they're completely happy. And you know, it's I would make jokes back in high school, um, not necessarily about the people, um, but oh, somebody woke up on the wrong side of the bed. You kind of just throw little things out like that. But it wasn't until um, joining the military where I really started to understand the whole mental health aspect. Um, prior to going overseas, um, even going to NATO um, trainings overseas, and then coming back, you take a lot of mental health um, classes, how to train your mind um, or, or, or help train your mind um, when it comes to like the PTSD part of things. Um, so it, it's mental health, mental health, uh, it doesn't get talked about enough. Um, it, it's cool to start seeing, like, like for me, I'm huge with sports, so it's pretty cool for me to start seeing more professional athletes coming out about their mental health. Um, I'm a huge Las Vegas Raiders fan, um, and you have Max Crosby who talks about his mental health, um, Darren Waller who talks about his mental health and his addiction. Um, so people are starting to come out and it's starting to be more open and more acceptable to talk about those things. But like Tia mentioned earlier, um, there's a lot of people that are still not receiving that help, whether or not they are scared or nervous to um, bring it up to their physician or their family members or whoever the case may be. Um, there's people not getting help when they need it, um, especially I can speak on behalf of a lot of prior military and current service members who don't uh, get treated for PTSD from the VA. Um, in my eyes, the VA is kind of a joke. I'm not going to throw shade, but going to throw shade at the same time. Um, they don't, it, it's hard, you, you don't get the help until it's too late, essentially. Uh, it, that's what it seems. Um, it took me. I'd want to say over a year and a half to get some sort of uh, appointment to talk about my PTSD, which the Army uh, gives me 60%. Uh, they say I'm 60% disabled because of PTSD, and so does the VA at 60%. Um, so it's, it's just not, it's not really talked about, um, and it, it's, hard to, um, uh, it's hard for people to speak about it. Um, so it, it, it's it's just one of those things where the more people talk about it, either on the air to their friends, social media, whatever the case may be, it will get out there more for people to uh, start bringing more awareness to it. Um, yeah, definitely. And to piggyback on what Jake said, I think a big thing, too, um, is, is cultural aspects. So, um, you know, you don't want to bring race into anything because today's day and age but I think a lot of that has to deal um, deal with it um, in regards to people getting treatment or not um, you know you have different cultures and different races and how they handle things like mental illness um, and I know I've had a lot of friends um, and family who say you know Growing up, that wasn't something that was talked about. Growing up in my culture, there's no such thing as mental illness. There's no such thing as being depressed. Um, you kind of just one of those things where it's, okay, just get over it, you're sad. Um, and I think that plays a big role, again, still today, 
even with mental illness still being starting to slowly getting more accepted into society, um, I think culture and race have a very big impact on how much you know help and how much treatment we get. Um, and unfortunately, it, it shouldn't be like that, but you know that's that's kind of where we are. Um, and so I did want to go over since I obviously did just have a son, um, my our second son. Uh, about six weeks ago, um, I did want to talk about postpartum depression. Um, if you follow either my Instagram or if you follow um, the podcast Instagram, I did post a story today from a, uh, it was a TikTok that I found. Um, and the lady in the TikTok talks about postpartum depression, how the, it is still to this day compl- almost going under the radar. Um, now, if you're a woman or a mom and you've been to OB, they talk about, um, postpartum depression quite frequently. Um, they, uh, before, so while you're pregnant, um, they'll talk about it while you're pregnant, kind of go over exactly what it is, what to look for the, for the signs. Um, and that's pretty much it. They just give you some pamphlets, okay, you're on your way, do the rest of your research. Um. And then even after you have a kid in the hospital, um, they'll ask you again, you know, do you have, you know, history of depression, anxiety, um, suicidal thoughts, things like that. Um, and if you say no, obviously after that, there's nothing. They, they don't really go into detail. Okay, when you get home, these are the signs to look out for. You know, when you get home, make sure you're getting enough help, things like that. Um, and so with my first son, I had a lot obviously it's your first child you don't really know what you're doing in any aspect um but I had no idea what postpartum depression is um you know I've never growing up I never experienced it with you know my family members so it wasn't something that I was really used to um and even when I had it with my first son and now having it with my second um going into look doing my own research I was also really shocked at the statistics looking at postpartum depression as well um i'm actually i'm gonna cut you off right there real quick because i have a question based on that so do you think now that because you are a mother of two do you think so you know how um when prior to or yeah prior to having a child um they offer like courses like mommy to be courses in a sense right um do you think there should be like some sort of class um, how to try to detect uh, postpartum or like some sort of postpartum awareness course uh, prior taking a postpartum class or course whatever speaking to a physician on that um, before you have a child so that way you know you can kind of see the signs uh, before it's too late Oh yeah, without a doubt. I mean, um, like Jake said, you do you do have um, courses that they do like mommy and me, so how to take care of a newborn. But they don't have courses on how to take care of yourself after um, after having a kid. Um, you know, obviously having a newborn, having a baby is a lot of work. Not only the physical aspect of going through labor, but then once you get home your whole persona is based on taking care of that kid and so there's days where you may you know you may your self-care completely plummet 
And I think if there was a course um, for moms, you know, for new moms, even returning moms, to kind of go over, hey, this is what's normal, you know, every day your hormones are going back into balance versus, okay, yeah, this is when you need to seek out help. Um, And picking back off that, so what they call the hormonal transition from being pregnant to not being pregnant, they call it, quote unquote, the baby blues. Um, So obviously when you're pregnant, your hormones are completely out of whack. You know, you'll be completely happy one second and then the fact that you didn't get the correct ice cream order, you're completely in tears. Um, And so now that your body no longer has to produce that much, that same amount of hormones because the baby is no longer inside, um, your body has to slowly start to regulate. And um, it's it's kind of a shock to your body because your body can't bounce back right away. Having a baby for, having a baby inside you for nine months, growing that baby, all the transitions, your body unfortunately your body is not a rubber band and if you can find me a mom or a woman who's able to bounce back physically mentally and emotionally like a rubber band after having a baby please give me her information because I want to know how she does it um you know and it's hard and it is really hard to to now adjust to life with a newborn um and so in that quote-unquote baby blue stage uh, what they refer to that is eventually there is a lie at the end of the tunnel eventually you know it's you know I may feel overwhelmed or sad um a couple days out of the week or you know only when certain instances make me upset um that's the difference between baby blues and postpartum depression um you know there's also so many factors that go into having uh being overly emotional, the lack of sleep, um, you know, the, the, you may not have as much support or what have you. There's a bunch of different factors that go into being overly emotional. Um, but with postpartum depression, um, it's this constant feeling of, of sadness, of helplessness, being overwhelmed, feeling like, you know, there's no hope. Um, that's the biggest difference. Um, and, one and what I figured what I found shocking is that one in seven women will experience postpartum depression in the year after giving birth. Um, so that equals to 600,000 postpartum depression diagnoses. Um, and that's not even counting the women who have miscarried or have had stillbirths because even then you know, they still can get postpartum as well. Um, they did go through that hormonal change. They did, you know, they were in, were a mom at one point. Um, and so they still have to deal with that aspect as well. Um, and so when you include those women as well, we're looking at 900,000 women. Um, and that's in the U.S. alone with women who have had postpartum or will have postpartum depression obviously um the percentage goes up higher when you have a history of mental illness or have a history of having postpartum depression um you have a 30 to 35 percent higher risk of having postpartum depression um and again um postpartum depression um a lot of times when we go to 
uh, our OB appointments after having a baby, the first thing they ask is, do you want to harm, do harm to you or your baby? And that's the biggest, I feel like the biggest stigma and the biggest misconception about postpartum is it's not always about, oh, I want to harm my kid. I, you know, I, I am not connecting with my baby. I don't, you know, I don't want my baby. It's more so of, you know, I feel like I'm not good enough. I, you know, there's this, again, sense of overwhelming dread. Like you just can't be consoled, um, you know, and again, it's, it postpartum, you know, it could be the exact opposite. Um, it could be that you, you know, you love your baby, but you don't want to be around anyone else. You know, you, um, may not feel like you're an adequate mother. Um, there's so many things that go and play into postpartum depression, but I feel like there's so many things that people don't understand. And a lot of people seem to think that it's just, it's in everything, and you'll just get over it. Um, so, so real quick, another question for you. So, with that being said, so when you have those thoughts um, that sh- you're not an adequate mother, or whatever the case may be, what, uh, what have you done to kind of push through those thoughts? What have you done um, to try to fight those demons to help push through that and? Th- some advice that you can give to other um, mothers or soon-to-be mothers when they might be feeling that same way that you do? Um, I'd say it's, um, it's all about practice. Uh, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat and say that, you know, you're just going to be able to turn off one day and be like, oh yeah, I no longer have postpartum depression. Yay. You know, Um, it's more so of just knowing what's your, your safe space and knowing what's kind of like your your go-to thought your happy place essentially um, to get you out of those thoughts Um, for example you know um, as stressful as being a mom is um, my boys are what get me out of that thought and so I may be so stressed out and I may be like oh my gosh I just need a break from my boys but the instant that I feel like I'm inadequate like I can't be like I'm not good enough to be a mom. I'm not meeting up to par. Um, I just look at my kids, especially, you know, obviously Mason, our, our two month old, um, he doesn't really express his feelings cause he's still a baby. Um, but Chumba definitely does. Um, and so when I hear Chumba say, you know, mommy, I love you. Or when he comes to give me a hug or you know, things like that, it kind of brings me back to center and makes me realize, okay, I'm not, I'm not doing as bad as I think I am. Um, and definitely putting things in a perspective too, you know, thinking, okay, you know, I may not be this perfect cookie cutter mom, but I'm doing what I can for the best of my children and for my family. And that's good enough. Um, and so just constantly having to remind yourself every day that I'm doing the best that I can. I'm doing the best that I can. Um, and eventually, you know, you will slowly start to believe it. Um, again, it's not going to be a walk on the park. It's going to be one of those things where it's one step forward and five steps back and two steps forward and 10 steps back. Um, you're going to have, um, trials. You're going to have obstacles. There's going to be days that are just completely, 
you know, rain clouds and stormy all day. Um, but just kind of holding out hope that, you know, you're going to have good days and taking those good days and those wins and running with them. Um, you know, so savoring those good days and then using those good days as of, you know, as a reminder on those bad days, like, look, you can, you can still have happiness. You can still have, hold out hope. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing is what I would give advice to moms out there who are, have postpartum depression or have gone through, um, postpartum depression is just hold out hope. You know, you're, again, you're not alone. Um, you know, you have, you have these children who look up to you, who are, who are essentially looking at you like a super mom. Um, you know, almost think of like the Incredibles, right? The, um, Mrs. Incredible. That's what they see you as. Um, you know, you, you do everything for them. You have birthed them. You have sacrificed your life for them. And I think that's the biggest thing you have to remind yourself is that, you know, you may not feel like you are enough, but to your kids, you are more than enough. And that's all that matters. Um, so yeah, I think that's my advice, um, in regards to that. Um, let's see. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not a mom, so I can't really answer that question but that was I feel like that was a a great answer so I hope there's other moms out there that uh, can take take note and kind of get a a a better idea uh, on how to manage and and those small things that you can do um, to fight those demons and to anybody that's has PTSD that is in the military listening or was in the military listening, it's the same thing. Um, you know, you might have those triggers. You might hear a firework and you get a flashback to Afghanistan, Iraq, whatever um, conflict that you were in. Um, but there's going to be those those small positive things that can kind of help you and, and push you through that. Nothing is, is, is going to... Um, make it any nothing can make it worse than than you not um you know kind of helping your helping yourself in a sense um getting getting close to your kids or whatever whatever it, it may be for you whatever finds you joy um don't don't push it away uh when when you're feeling down and feeling depressed um it's it's not going to make things any easier and I know it doesn't make it any easier for myself when I have my episodes uh, when I go through my personal struggles with mental health and PTSD um, I know there's a lot of people out there that have a lot worse PTSD than myself um, but it's for me it's not an everyday struggle uh, like it may be for other people and and like it is for a lot of thousands and hundreds of thousands of prior service members um but the days that i do have those triggers um there's a lot of things that i have have worked on over in the past that have helped so I, i i try to train my mind for it so when something does happen I can go through my step, my three-step process or whatever the case may be to get myself out of that mindset of negativity and, and beating myself up about it.
Yeah, definitely. Um, so I did, um, now that we went over all these, like, logistics and things, um, obviously I, I don't want to sit here and kind of go over logistics and kind of not tell my story because I feel like that wouldn't really be fair. Um, because I have done, I have dealt with mental illness, um, not just after having kids, but I have dealt with it, um, pretty much, I'd say, middle school on is when it started, I'd say eighth grade is when I kind of realized, okay, this isn't just a, I'm sad, you know, this isn't just a, oh, you know, intrusive thoughts, like, these are things that are not normal, and unfortunately, only until not until I was an adult did I realize that these were things that I went through growing up and how I felt and my feelings and my thoughts weren't normal. Um, um, and so kind of just going, uh, just a small going over what exactly, um, what exactly I went through. So, um, growing up, like I said, I, there was a lot of pressure. I put a lot of pressure on myself. Uh, still to this day, I'm like that. Um, I hold myself to such a high, high, high standard. Um, I've always been like this. Um, and I think that plays a lot into my anxiety disorder. Um, because I always feel like I'm not, I'm never going to be able to, to match up to what I need to be. Um, and there's always that panic, that anxiety of not being enough, of being overwhelmed, of, um, this constant dread of like, oh my gosh, I'm going to fail everybody. Everyone's going to, um, be so disappointed. I'm not going to have any, you know, I'm not going to, everyone's going to leave me if I fail kind of thing. Um, and that carried on into my adult life as well. Um, and that's something that for a long time, I never really talked to anyone about, um, growing up, um, you know, I had a lot of anxiety. I had, um, you know, depression, you know, I had, I dealt with depression and I dealt with suicidal thoughts and the self-harm. And as a teenager, it's hard to really express, um, you know, to your parents what's going on, especially because, you know, if you're a teenager like me who didn't listen or, you know, may have rebelled or whatever the case may be, it's even harder to have that connection, that relationship with your parents to really sit down and be, hey, something's not right. This is how I'm feeling. I don't understand. Um, and so for a long time, I buried all my feelings and all my, you know, anxiety and my depression, and I just buried it. Um, and unfortunately, I learned to put a, to put a face to just hide behind, you know, this facade, um, that everything's okay and I'm fine. Um, and, you know, again, growing up in a, uh, a generation where people didn't really know what mental illness was and it was more of a, oh, you're fine. You're just sad. You're just being overdramatic. It's not a big deal. Um, that even was more so a reason to kind of bury it down and just, okay, yeah, you're right. I'm just sad. Um, and, you know, it, it, it got to the point where, um, you know, growing up, growing up um, uh, realizing, like, when it comes to developmental disorder or illnesses, so me dealing with um, a, or ADD or ADHD, however you want to say it, um, you know, when it comes to school, there it's hard. Um, you know, I did get good grades and I worked my butt off in school to get the grades that I did, but 
you know, when you're sitting in class and all of a sudden a car drives by outside the window and I'm automatically like, oh, like, you know, a dog, oh, squirrel, you know, and then find kind of finding that um, way to center yourself back to listening, it, it gets almost um, frustrating because then you're like, oh, crap, I just missed a whole point. OK, now I have to figure out how to, how to go back. Um, and luckily, I'm, you know. I'm a quick learner and I'm able to kind of be self-sufficient in that. So when I am distracted, it, it didn't play that big of a role. But I know there was people who were dealing with that where it was a big distraction. Where, you know, they just couldn't find the, the you know, the ability to be able to sit down and just focus. And it's because, you know, their brain is not wired to do that. Um, you know, and so it... it, it so, and again, that trickles into my, my adult life too. Um, and, you know, when now going into adulthood, you know, dealing with the mental illnesses with anxiety and depression and ADHD, um, when finally getting diagnosed, you know, and sitting down with a doctor and then be like, okay, yeah, that's not normal. What you're going through is not normal. And finally looking back, I'm like, oh, wow, I've been dealing with this for years and I had no idea. You know, I thought I was, you know, just sad. I thought, you know, I was just, you know, freaking out because I'm overdramatic. Like, I didn't know that what I was going through was considered a mental illness. Um, and even today, it's still, you know, I, even with the treatment that I have with therapy, with medication, um, my, you know, support system, it still affects me. You know, I, you know, I deal with um, generalized anxiety just disorder or GAD and I also deal with social anxiety uh, now when you meet me you may not you may not fully understand that because I'm not a closed off person I'm not you know an introvert I'm not shy things like that but social anxiety doesn't always necessarily mean that social anxiety means that I can be out in public and there's so much stuff going on and I, I just get overloaded and I start getting panicky. Um, you know, I start thinking that people are staring at me or thinking that they're thinking of me a certain way. Um, you know, or even before I leave, I will change my outfit five or six times before I even leave because I'm worried that someone's going to, you know, look at me a certain way or they're going to see me as this sham or what have you. And Jake can attest to this. Um, you know, because I have to have everything almost perfect before I go out because I don't want to have this this light that I think is shining on me. Um, you know, and then the, and that slowly goes into to panic attacks because well, I'll be out in public and, you know, I'm around all this noise and this loud and it's um, overloading all of, a sense, all of a sudden. And then, you know, we I go into a panic mode where it's almost... My body physically makes me, my heart rate start, you know, a course of adrenaline goes through and, you know, you start getting, um, your heart starts racing, you start getting sweaty palms, you know, you might not be able to breathe as quickly. And so that's, um, you know, again, that that's going into my adulthood, things that are affecting relationships, things are affecting, you know, friendships because I don't want to go out as much because I can't, you know, handle it for, um, for example, you know, and so in my early adulthood, I was slowly starting to lose friends because I, I didn't want to go out, um, 
because it just became too much. Um, and even now, obviously, with children, it's even more harder um, to go out. But even now, I really, you know, going out with friends or going out in places where it's loud and, you know, I know I may have a trigger of a panic panic attack. I don't like going out. I really don't. Um, and so I try to to keep myself from doing that. And sometimes it may, you know, be affecting relationships. For example, you know, um, Jake and I, we may not be able to get out as much as it is having a newborn, but even then, you know, he's wanting to go out on dates and I just, I can't handle it, unfortunately. And so, like I said, it's just, it's one of those things where, again, with people with mental illness, you could probably attest to this. It, it, it affects every facet of your life. Um, you know, even ADHD, where you just can't focus, um, people may think, oh, that only affects, like, you know, the, the logical side of life, or that only affects, like, if you were in school. No, that affects everything, being distracted. Um, ADHD also deals with being impulsive, you know, um, things like that. It, it affects your everyday life, no matter what you're doing. Um, and so, going forward, dealing with that, with my mental illness, going forward, um, after I had Chumba, um, it was a really hard transition. Obviously, it's my first kid. Um, I It was my first kid. I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, I wasn't living close to my family, so I really had no support on that end. Um, and I was in a really, really dark place. Um, not in the best relationship, unfortunately, at that time. Um, and again, we'll go over that on Friday a little bit more. Um, but I was just in a really... Um, a really dark period of time, um, and, um, and so at that time, um, I actually, what happened is I actually had a manic episode, um, and I ended up being put on 5150 hold in the ER, um, so now if people really don't know what that means, it pretty much means you're a psychiatric risk, um, so, it's, it's pretty scary. They put security guards outside of your door. Um, you can't leave. They put all these bracelets on you. You wear a different colored gown. Um, you pretty much stand out from the rest of the hospital population so they know. Um, after they put you on 5150 50, hold, they do transfer you to a mental institution. Um, and from there, they kind of evaluate where, where you're at for, in a sense. Um, and so, you know, at that time, when I did have my manic episode, as soon as it was over, I knew, I, I, you know, I knew that I needed help, but being in a mental institution is not where I needed to be, especially just having a baby. Um, and so that's kind of my story in regards to that. Um, um, it, it, it's it's been a long journey and again right now like I've said I, you know I also again was diagnosed with pars, postpartum depression with Mason um, and so now just learning how to ask for help that is the biggest thing right now um, for anybody listening or anyone who's going to listen to our um, our podcast after it's recorded uh, um just asking for help. You have resources available to you. And, um, you know, you just have to consistently, you know, remember our mental illnesses do affect our children, but it's how we respond, um, to them 
that affects them. Again, they look up to us 110%. Um, so reaching out for help is not just to better yourself, but it's to better your children. Um, and so um, it doesn't always have to be medical. If you don't want to go that route of getting diagnosed, if you don't want to go that route of getting put on medication or going to therapy, you know, you ask for help. It could be a neighbor. It could be a friend, you know, a coworker, um, a boss. You have so many people, you know, available to you that are able to, re you're re able to reach out to, um, you know, and even us. Jake and I, obviously, our podcast is here just to kind of go being a parent. Um, but again, you know, reach out to me, um, reach out to, to Jake um, on our Instagram, on my Instagram, on our personal Instagrams, on our email, things like that. You know, we were, we're an open door. Um, we've been through a lot of things, so I definitely want everyone to, to feel like they, if they have no one to talk to, they were here. Um and also to remember, it's not a weakness that you have a mental illness. It's not, it's not, um, it's not saying that you aren't enough um, for your children or you aren't enough for this world. Um, everyone has that thing in their life, you know, that they have to work on that. And, you know, mental illness just is one of those things that people just have to work harder. You know, it's never... There may be mental illnesses that never go away, um, and it may be a constant battle, but knowing that you are strong enough and continuing to fight every day um, makes you one of the strongest people that I know. Um, and so, again, you're not weak. Continuing to fight your weakness, to fight your demons, that is one of the strongest things you can do in life. Um, you know, and again, and also knowing... Um, the biggest thing, too, is knowing when it's time for professional intervention. Um, you know, again, there is some things where you're able to work through on your own, but when it when it comes to, you know, suicide, when it comes to, you know, self-harm or harming others, um, knowing when, where's that line to like, okay, I really need help. Um, and they have so many resources available, you know, anonymous um, hotlines. They have, you know, everyone knows the, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline that you can call and also text now um, if you don't feel like calling people. Um, and they'll sit with you and they'll talk with you for hours. Um, and I've actually texted them and called them myself and they will sit and talk with you for hours um, and let you say whatever you want until you're blue in the face, essentially. Um, you know, if if, you know, you are wanting to do therapy, there's that as well. And again, therapy is not a bad thing. Um, I thought it was a bad thing for the longest time until I realized that, you know, therapy actually is, like it says, therapeutic. Um, um, and medication too. Again, um, uh, Pete, Pete Davidson had said one time, um, talking about how Kanye said that he was uh, getting off his meds and he's off his meds and he's woke and what have you and Pete Davidson had said no you need to take your meds um it's not a bad thing it's not you're not crazy for wanting to take meds it doesn't make you crazy because you're on a medication it means you're getting the help that you need to in order to feel better in order to 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 live a normal life um you know and so again um there is hope and I want whoever is listening um, to this, whether now or in however long down the road, um, there is hope. Um, you know, you, you're, you're, you're stronger than you think. Um, 
and and the battle that you continue to fight day in and day out makes you the strongest person that I know. Um, again, we, we're always here for our listeners, um, and we're always there to support you guys. So whatever you, you know, if you want to reach out, again, anonymously, doesn't have to be names. It's perfectly fine. We will be there for you. No questions asked, for sure. Yeah, just like she said, if there's uh, any veterans listening, prior service, current military, whatever the case may be, um, you can always reach out to us on our Instagram, ITV.916, or um, if you follow one of us on social media, you can always reach out to us on there. Um, it can be anonymous if you'd like it to be, or uh, it, it's really your call. Whatever makes you feel um, more welcomed. Uh, like to finish it up here uh, thank you for listening everybody tonight um, if you were on the live and it dropped out on you uh, I do apologize for that but this is coming natural from us uh, we're not professional recorders or anything like that um, so a uh, part in our jargon as well um, if you will um, so like I said if it did cut out on you while we were on air um, the episode is being recorded, so it will be posted to the website as well. Um, and each time that we do make these podcasts, whether it's live or recorded, we are getting better, or we hope and we feel that we're, we're getting better and we're not having any, any audio issues. Um, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or any suggestions for us, please, please, please email, social media, DM, text, or whatever the case may be. Um, but it is just now 10 minutes under 830. Uh, stay tuned for Friday. We will be doing our regular broadcast on Friday um, yes. with episode three. Uh, this is kind of just a little bonus one for you guys. Um, if you guys did like this, uh, also feel free to comment, message, reach out to us, and uh, we can possibly continue another, um, almost like a Wednesday episode, I guess you could say, for uh, mental health or whatever the case may be. Um, so we'll leave it at that, and I'll let Tia say the final words. Goodbye. Yes, definitely. So um, like Jake said, um, again, this is a... We're learning as we go. Um, unfortunately, we're not professionals, so technical difficulties, um, you know, uh, us <laughs> kind of just being unorganized, it, it's it's a, a learning process, and um, just stick with us. You know, it, we are learning, but the content that we're bringing um, hopefully is helping, and hopefully it has some sort of um, sub substance to help somebody. Um, again, stay tuned to our Friday episode. You don't want to miss it. Um, there is going to be a trigger warning because it does involve, um, some violence. It does involve, um, guns, things like that. There will be cuss words. Correct. Uh, So it will be an explicit, uh, episode. So plug your ears if you don't like hearing bad words. Correct. Yes. So there is, um... Yeah, so that's it's going to be super interesting, and you won't want to miss that one. Um, very good stories to go over. Um, but yeah, if you guys love this Wednesday episode with mental health, I would definitely love to continue it. Kind of going forward on going into more specifics, um, definitely. Um, so with that, uh, we will see you guys on Friday. Awesome. Thank you for listening, guys.